0: Um, My name is Nicolay, for those of you who haven't met me, Um, and I'm going to be doing the readings tonight. Uh, The first reading is Psalm 34. It can be found on page 396 of the Bibles you would have been given on the way in. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned. Who takes refuge in him. The second reading is from 1 Peter, um, which can be found on page 857, starting from verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, Envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good.
1: I don't know about you, I'm actually loving this uh, current uh, sermon series. Uh, We're looking at a very strange thing, it's called Article 1 of the 39 Articles. Says this: There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body parts or passions, of infinite power and wisdom and goodness, and the make and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. We've just spent uh, five weeks topically looking at the character of God. Remember, the one true living God. There is one God, and I challenge you: What were your idols? So, what were the things that you were trusting in for your security, other than God Himself? And then we looked at the God of infinite power. If he is all-powerful, then you are called to revere him and to find your refuge in him. Where where else would you run to than the one who has all power? And then last week, we looked at the God of infinite wisdom. Uh, And Mark challenged us to to live uncertain lives. uh, Because we don't know what God's will is and what God's wisdom is for your life. And tonight, we're looking at that word goodness. Uh, The word good is probably the most overused word in the Australian vocabulary. Now, how are you going? Oh, I'm good. How's your mum? Oh, she's good. How was your Christmas? Oh, it was good. How's the car? Oh, that's good. How's work? Yeah, it's good. We've just taken this, this beautiful and evocative word called good, and we've turned it into this anemic, bland nothingness. And so when you read in the Bible, God is good. God is good. Your heart is supposed to be fluttering and your mind is supposed to be saying, wow, that is such an important truth. But my fear is that because we just use that word good so blandly, that I say to you, God is good. And it doesn't impact you at all. Uh, Psalm 100 Verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 106 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 86 verse 5, you are forgiving and good, O Lord. Psalm 73 verse 1, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Or Psalm 119 verse 68, you are good and what you do is good. And I could could put up a hundred more verses up there. But look at this one, you are good, your character is good, your being is good, your essence is good, you are essentially good, and your actions are good. Uh, The goodness of God is something that you and I need to understand, and not just understand, but delight in and live by, the goodness of God. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to really say God is good because day by day and week by week we experience things that make us doubt that and question that. As we sit and watch the news this week and we hear of hundreds of thousands who have lost their lives surely you say, is God good? As we hear about our church warden who's been diagnosed with a cancer surely you say, how is God's goodness being shown in this? When, when you 're made redundant at work, or when you suffer depression and ill health, or when you seek financial crisis, surely you say, "Is God good?" Is God good when dot, dot dot?" And you fill in your personal circumstance that make you doubt and question god 's goodness. Alan Gardner is a guy who believed in god 's goodness. Uh, he was a missionary. Uh, in South America, he died at age 57. He kept a journal of his mission years. And in that journal, he, he recounts hunger and thirst uh, and beatings and desertion and depression. And the day before he died, his last entry in his journal said this, I'm overwhelmed with the sense of God's goodness. Really? when you've suffered hunger and thirst and beatings and you're still saying God is good. Corrie Ten Boom says something similar. She writes this. Deep in our hearts we believe in a good God. Yet how shallow is our understanding of his goodness. Often I've heard people say, how good God is. We prayed it wouldn't rain for our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God is also good, God was also good when he allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my very eyes in a German concentration camp. He was still good then. I remember one occasion when it was very dark and I was discouraged and I said to Betsy, I thought, God had forgotten us. And she said, no, Corrie, he hasn't forgotten us. Remember his word. As high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. There's an ocean of God's love available. May God grant you never to doubt his love and never to doubt his goodness, whatever the circumstance. God is still good as she watched her sister die before her eyes. And I pray that as we grapple with God's goodness tonight, You'd be able to say that as well. Whatever the circumstance, God is still good. So, what is goodness? How would you define goodness? Jim Packer defines it like this uh, Goodness is something admirable, something attractive, and something praiseworthy. Admirable, attractive, and praiseworthy. And that's how we use the word good. You know, it's excellent. I, I had a good dinner. Uh, I've got a good car. I've got a good job. I like it. Or or we use good to define someone's character. They're a good man. Meaning they're kind, they're compassionate, they're generous. It's that usefulness and that character. But what is God's goodness? Now here's the problem. It's hard to define God's goodness. Because he is essentially good. He's the definition of goodness. It's that circular argument. What is good? God is good. How do you know God is good? Because he's God. He's just good. But he is infinitely good. He's always been good. He always will be good. He is uh, essentially good. So everything about him is goodness. So his attributes are all good. His compassion is a good thing. His kindness is a good thing. His mercy and his justice and his pity and his patience are all part of his goodness. And his actions are all good. His actions are what are called benevolent. Uh, they, they benefit other people. He acts in a way that brings good to other people. And that's the thing that causes us to question and doubt because sometimes we don't feel that and sometimes we don't experience that. So what is God's goodness? Look at three things tonight. The first one is this. Uh, God's, God's common goodness. The question is, is God only good to Christians. Is God only good to believers? And the Bible says no. (laughs) He's good to all people. It's there in the very first page of the Bible. In creation, God says, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. And Genesis 1 verse 31 says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And the Bible is saying you're supposed to look at creation and say there's a good God behind this, because God could have created a world that was difficult to inhabit. He could have made you know parched deserts and, and no food and no water, but he didn't. He could have made a bland, monochrome world, but he made beautiful flowers and the fragrance of spring and he made birds and animals and men and women and we're all different, different colors and different personalities and we're supposed to say, wow, God is good. And you know, he gave us ears to hear all the beautiful sounds and, and eyes to see all the beautiful things and he gave us sleep to refresh weary bodies and we're supposed to say, wow, God is good. But not just that, actually he provides for his people. James 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything good comes from Him. Or this extraordinary verse, Psalm 145, verse 9 The Lord is good to, to all people. He has compassion on all He has made. Uh, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at their proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. What He's saying there is that God does not discriminate. Both the the righteous and the unrighteous, the the just and the unjust, they all experience and benefit from God's goodness every single day because he provides food and and shelter and rain and, and sunshine. And even people who ignore God and hate God, they still wake up and experience God's goodness each day. Now that's a truth that's hard for us to stomach, especially in a week like this week. How is God good when people have just been killed in an earthquake? But well, the fact that God continues to provide aid and help for those people. And you know what? The fact that our world does not experience those disasters on a daily basis is actually an experience of his, of his goodness. And sure, I don't know why God allowed these things to happen. I don't know why so many people died. And sure, I question God, what are you doing here? But I can't say you're not good. I might not be able to see a, a, a bigger and deeper purpose behind it. But we'll come on to that later in a sermon. The point is that this morning, you know, millions of people woke up in Australia and most of them ignore God. But they still benefit from His good actions. They still benefit from food and shelter and clothing and money and friendships and health. The fact that most of us enjoy far greater days of good health than we do bad health. That's a sign of God's goodness. See, there's nobody who can say that God is not good because we all benefit every day from his common goodness. Uh, But God is actually especially good to his people. Uh, Just Before I move on to that, what is the right response to God's common goodness? How should you respond that today you woke up and you had health and you had breath and you had food and clothing? What's the only response to a good God like that? It's the word that is a very short word but we find very hard to say. It's just thanks. Thank you God that I'm alive today. Thank you God I have friendships today. Thank you God I have health today. And here's the issue. God is so abundantly good. And God is so constantly good that we just assume and take it for granted. Of course I'll have health, of course I'll have food, of course I'll have friendships. There's no of course. It's in God's goodness I have health, in God's goodness I have money, in God's goodness I have friendships, in God's goodness I have food. Let's learn to be grateful. God is good, a common goodness. But more than that, God is good to his people. It's called God's saving goodness. Uh, Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now why is God good? Verse 8 says, Because God saved us for his name's sake. Or do you remember the, the golden calf incident? Moses had just been up a mountain and God has spoken and given the Ten Commandments. Uh, God come, uh, Moses comes down the mountain and God's people are building this golden calf. And what does Moses say? Moses intercedes for God's people. And Moses says these words in Exodus 33. Moses said to God, show me your glory. And God says, no, no, I can't show you my glory, but I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now, what do you think God is going to pass in front and show them? If you're going to show your goodness to somebody, what would you show them? Here's what God showed Moses. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, and maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. What is God's goodness? It's there in that verse. He is compassionate. Uh, He sees you when you're still far off. You're like a a sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on you and he welcomes you home. His goodness is the fact that he is gracious. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He doesn't doesn't give you what you can earn. You can't earn his forgiveness. He's just gracious towards you. God's goodness is shown in the fact that he's slow to anger. Uh, He He sees your sin, but he's patient with you, longing for you to repent and come back to him. Uh, He is abounding in love. He is the definition of love. This is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God's goodness is the fact that he is faithful. He keeps his promises. And he maintains love to thousands. And he forgives wickedness and sin. The fact that he sees your sin and says the word, In Christ I forgive you. How is God's goodness shown? It's in a man called Jesus. A man called Jesus who was gracious and compassionate and forgiving and faithful and abounding in love. God's goodness is shown in the fact that he was willing to send his precious son. God's goodness is shown in the fact that he saw you and still sacrificed his son for you. And God's goodness is shown in the fact that he sees you today in Christ and says, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. That is God's ultimate saving goodness. What is God's goodness? It's the gospel. What's the gospel? Literally it's good news. The news of a good God. Now here's my problem. We know the gospel. We can recount the gospel. We can draw six boxes and explain the gospel. But I reckon that most of us here haven't done what the psalmist have done. Psalm 34 verse 8. We had it read to us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, We know Jesus came and we know Jesus died and we know that he died for our sins, but have we actually experienced and tasted and seen? It's a very uh, evocative language, isn't it? It's sensual language. Have you seen with your eyes the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you experienced him in your heart? Has your mind grappled with what it cost him To win you. Have you taste and seen the goodness of God? Are you dwelling in Jesus today? Because you'll only be able to say that God is good if you're living with Jesus and experiencing Jesus and understanding Jesus and words like justification and righteousness and sanctification. They're not just words. They're living realities for you. And the way that you're going to experience the goodness of God more and more is quite simply to spend more time with Jesus and to understand him better because he is the definition of the goodness of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And my fear is that, me, that intellectually we know that but experientially many of us haven't tasted and haven't seen just how the good God is. I'm saved, Yeah. you're saved. He has saved you from hell. He has won your salvation. That is the best news in the world. Do not take that for granted. God's common goodness, God's saving goodness. But the problem is that we don't always see God's goodness in our day to day. That's my final point tonight. God's transforming goodness. See, was God good speaking personally when a friend of mine died of a brain tumour at age 28? Was God good then? Was God good when my brother was diagnosed with cancer at age 8? Was God good then? Was God good when someone I loved walked out on me? Was God good when my best friend betrayed me? Was God good when dot, dot, dot? And we, we all know The reality of God's goodness up here, but how do you grapple with those questions on a day to day? This is what you've got to grasp: the fact that God is good, and is using using hard circumstances to transform you. It's the what I call the Kitcher Calendar verse of Romans eight twenty eight. We know it. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, and we know that verse. But we struggle with that verse because of that word, all. In all things, God works for the good. And if you're like me, you say, no, in, in some things, yes, but not all things. No, the verse says, in all things. And the issue is that, that you and I have a long understanding of what that word, good, means. Because we define good to be tangible and beneficial for me. Now we define good according to what we want in the here and now, and that's not how God defines goodness. Let me explain. Just turn to Psalm 73, it's on page 414. Page 414, Psalm 73, and the psalmist starts off by saying, Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. And he's just quoting uh, what a, a good is like, would say every day, like, a bit like a Lord's Prayer, God is good to his people, God is good to his people. But then he says, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He looks around at the world and he sees the world who ignore God, who hate God, and they seem to be, to be flourishing. They're healthy, They're free from burdens, they have all these possessions, and they hate God. And so he says, down in verse 13, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. Is God really good to his people? And then the turning point is verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. And he brings eternity into the picture. And he starts to define goodness, not in terms of the here and now, but in terms of eternity. Because they may have lots of things in the here and now, but they do not have God. And so they're not good. And so he he says these amazing words, verse 23. I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. And my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Listen carefully. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tell of all your deeds. And that's the shift, the book ends. Verse 1, God is good to Israel. But, but the psalmist thought that goodness meant goodness now, you know. Absence of pain and no sorrow and no poverty and the good life. But by the end of it, verse 28, it is good to be near God. What is God's goodness? Anything that draws you closer to God. God's goodness is anything that draws you into a more deep Intimate relationship with the Sovereign Lord as your refuge. Yes, afflictions. Yes, suffering. Yes, the good times. If they bring you closer to God, that's the goodness of God. Uh, Joel Witchfield said, If God puts thorns in my bed, it's only to awaken me from a sleep of spiritual death or to keep me from complacency. And perhaps now you'll understand Romans 8. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. What is the good? Well, if we've been called according to his purposes, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What's the goodness of God? It's making you more like Jesus. Is God transforming you to make you more like Christ. It's God creating brothers and sisters for Jesus. That's God's goodness. So where does the rubber hit the road? Let me give you some very practical examples. Because I don't know about you, but if God's going to make me more like Jesus, he's got to do a lot of transforming. And that might mean tough times, as well as tender times. Some very practical examples. If you've got a, an inconsiderate boss at work, and work is just miserable, surely you ask, how is God good in this situation? Maybe God is teaching you patience. Maybe God is transforming you to make you more dependent on him and more prayerful. Maybe he's using you as a, as a witness in that workplace to, to suffer wrong in, in a godly way? What about when your health fails? How is God good in times of sickness? I'll tell you how God is good. He teaches me that this body is not uh, infallible. I'm just frail and, and fragile and I'm longing for my resurrection body. How was God good when my friend died of cancer at age 28? I'll tell you how he was good. God used that situation to bring three close family members to Christ, at his funeral the gospel was preached to, to thousands. Uh, God used that situation to to stir the hearts of Christians and to give them a vigor again, longing for glory. And if we take the Bible seriously, you know, Philippians one, it is better to depart and be with Christ. Then surely, for the person who died, for Ben, it was a good thing to be with Christ. I was taught this lesson probably in the very first Bible study I went to at a church in Oxford in the UK and uh, the Bible study leader his wife was going for tests for cancer I was a young Christian and I turned up on a Wednesday night and the Bible study leader told me that his wife had been given the all clear and it was negative negative. and I said the words oh God is good and this wise older man said yeah God is good I'm very very thankful that it's negative But Paul, God would still have been good if the results had been positive. I'd just be asking a different question now. I'd be asking how is God showing his goodness in the midst of this? And what is God doing in the midst of this? See the different mindset? God is always good. But you've got to learn to ask in the midst of trials and tragedies and sorrows, how is God using this to transform me? to make me more like his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have that mindset, then like the psalmist, you will say, Psalm 119, verse 71, it was good to be afflicted. It was good to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. Or Philippians 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. See, God is essentially good. He's always good. And I'm going to leave you asking the question. The question is this. Day by day, will you wake up and say, how good God is. I have life. I have breath. I have health. I have security. And will you look at Jesus and taste and see just how beautiful your salvation really is. And in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the pain, will you learn to ask the hard question? How is God's goodness being shown here? What's he doing here? Let me pray. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 68. It says, you are good and what you do is good. Lord, it's uh, hard to Grapple with that truth sometimes when there's pain in our own lives and when there's pain in the world. Lord, help us please to not just know that truth, but to own it and to love it and to live it. Lord, we pray that you would show your goodness even in the midst of our our tragic world this week we don't know how you're going to do that, but we, we trust that you will. Uh, please be uh, good and kind to those in need, to those needing food and shelter and water. Please provide. For those who are grieving, please be good and kind to them. And Father, for us here in Kirbili, help us to keep trusting your goodness and living it. So we will say that we've tasted and seen how good you are. I'll that for Jesus' sake. Amen.